Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Just think about this for a moment. Things are so bad right now for Joe Biden. All right? Things are so bad for the Biden campaign that he's calling in the secret weapon, Hillary Clinton. That's how bad things are. They're so bad right now for Joe Biden and his campaign that they're calling up the failed 2016 presidential candidate to try to save the day from Joe Biden and his campaign. Calling her up to help. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. It is Monday. Busy weekend, huh, with the... President of Penn resigning Saturday Night Live trying to make uh, funny about it and just completely bombing. Absolutely. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Tucker Carlson is launching a new subscription service. We will talk to Chadwick more about that a little bit later in the show. Chadwick, of course, is the guy who wrote the book on Tucker Carlson. And uh, we'll find out what plans Tucker has. You know, he's been doing some very interesting things lately. His uh, very long interview with Alex Jones. And the guy who is the new president of, what is it, Argentina, who has really introduced some amazing reforms, too, on day one, already like day one, just getting in there and doing things that just right away, right at the start, things we should be doing in the United States of America. Like, for example, turning around and just cutting things, cutting departments and shrinking the size of government and, 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 and all of this. He's just been sworn in as president of Argentina. And he just signed his first executive order, reducing the government from 21 ministries to nine. This is the guy who's a little bit uh, flamboyant with his sex life and his sister and all that. And he, I guess, I guess he likes pink flamingos and upside down pineapples and whatnot. But who cares? He, 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 he promised to run in a Trumpian, populist, conservative, fiscal conservative, libertarian uh, position. And so far, he got in there and that's exactly what he's doing starting off by reducing the size of government, which is great. Now, if we can only do that in our country, we'd be really in good shape. There's also a massive uh, Chinese cyber attack that's underway right now, and apparently it's growing. And it was reported by Fox News earlier today. We knew this was coming, uh, but it's getting bigger. Apparently, it's getting bigger as, as we speak. And China, not our friend, China's not our friend. We know this. The massive Chinese cyber attack keeps growing as we speak right now. And they've never seen something of this magnitude. So where we go from here, I, I don't know. But th- this is going on in real time. China 
is not our friend. China wants to bring us down. China wants to destroy us from within. And now a massive cyber attack underway as we speak and kind of a strange kind of media blackout about it. I mean, I saw the initial Fox News report on it this morning and they've kind of gone dark about it. I mean, there's been a little bit that's been reported from people on Twitter about it, but that's kind of it right now. So I'll give you more details of that as the show goes on and we get more details of that as the show goes on today. And obviously we'll be able to bring you all of the breaking news on this. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, the thing about the president of Penn stepping down, and now there's other college presidents who are facing this reckoning on campus hate speech, and they're 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 facing calls to grow to go. And this is really coming from the from the donors, you know, the alumni. Once you start, once the money people have decided that you're out, you're done, and they start withdrawing their funds. I mean, good luck. You know what I mean? Good luck. These colleges live and die by their endowments. And they have massive endowments. They, they really should never need to charge tuition ever again. They have so many endowments. But once the money people pull their support, that's it. And the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, is now under fire for alleged plagiarism. And that just came out as well a short time ago today. It's a big, like I said, a breaking news story around these universities. She's now under fire for allegedly plagiarizing portions of her PhD dissertation which, well, I guess she got the idea from Joe Biden. I mean, he plagiarized everything, which concerns racial themes. And that was for her doctorate in political science from Harvard back in 1997. Chris Rulo, who's a journalist and a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, published a report yesterday outlining what he indicated to be three instances of the president of Harvard plagiarizing per Harvard students, or standards, excuse me, the definition of plagiarism in her dissertation. The dissertation was entitled Taking Charge, Black Electoral Success and the Redefinition of American Politics. And he and a guy named Chris Brunette obtained documentation demonstrating that Harvard President Claudine Gay plagiarized multiple sections of her PhD thesis, violating Harvard's policies on academic integrity. In one instance, Gay is accused of lifting nearly verbatim work from Lawrence Bobo and Frank Gilliam in their paper called Race... Socio-political participation and black empowerment. He then cites Harvard's own policy on paraphrasing and plagiarism to underscore the point. When you paraphrase, your task is to distill the source's ideas into your own words. It's not enough to change a few words here and there and leave the rest. Instead, you must completely restate the ideas in the passage in your own words. If your own language is too close to the original, then you are plagiarizing even if you do provide a citation. Gay is further accused of lifting material from legal scholar Carol Swain without giving a citation. Rufo then again cites Harvard's guidelines, which state that students must give credit to the author of the source material, either by placing the source material in quotation marks and providing a clear citation, or by paraphrasing the source material and providing a clear citation. And she didn't do that either. Didn't do that. And lastly, she is accused of swiping an entire appendix Gay composes an entire appendix in her dissertation directly taken from Gary King's book entitled A Solution to the Ecological Inference Problem. While she cites King's book later in the appendix, in fact, King was her dissertation advisor, she does not explicitly acknowledge that Appendix B is entirely grounded in King's concepts and language, instead passing it off as her own original work. 
The plagiarism accusations from Thomas Gay is already under fire for a recent testimony before Congress. You know, the thing about these college presidents, right? And I've been, I've been making this point. There's two points to make. Here's the first one. The first one is that there's no way, if you ask these college presidents, if people were, were chanting death to trans, death to trans people, or even trans people should not be allowed to go to school there or whatever, there's no way those college presidents would sit there in front of Congress and say that it depends it depends whether or not this is in fact bullying and violates their own codes. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is it's very hard as a, a stalwart defender of freedom of expression to come to the defense of these people when they've been the very first ones to go after professors. I mean, we talked about Professor Amy Wax from Penn who said some controversial things regarding race and for that they tried to can her and she's still in the middle of a, of a big battle with the University of Pennsylvania over that. They've gone after students. They've, 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 students have gotten in trouble for being fat phobic, whatever the hell that means, transphobic for using the wrong pronouns. All those things violate their campus speech codes and they've canceled speakers and comedians and lectures and they've canceled classes. And so, you know, I don't feel the least bit sorry for these people. And while normally you would come out and you would defend if college presidents are saying, look, you know, it depends on the context, words that are used, and we have to look at each on a case-by-case basis. You could, you could defend that if they were consistent on that, but they're not consistent on that. They are the first ones to cancel if people are saying things they don't like or if people may say things they don't like. You know, if, 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 if Dennis Prager is going to go speak in one of these schools, they won't let him. They'll just cancel the whole damn thing. Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla, they did an entire movie about this, about what it's like to be canceled on college campuses. They did a whole thing on this. And, and we know about comedians where, I mean, there's some comedians now that say they wouldn't even play on a college campus, even if they were, were asked to and were paid to, they wouldn't even do it. Because you have students who are woke little snowflakes who cannot handle hearing anything they disagree with, who'll be the first ones to protest and they'll, they'll take something the comedian says out of context and make it viral and paint the comedian as a, as a bigot of some sort of way. So they're like, the hell with it. I don't, I don't need to do this. So watching these college presidents get what they deserve is actually, I mean, the shot in Freud here is glorious. It really is. The shot in Freud of this is absolutely glorious. These people had it coming. They've absolutely had it coming. And nobody should be shocked by this. Even Al Gore's not shocked by this. Even Well, Al Gore is shocked, but not in the same way. I mean, Al Gore's shocked by the tone deafness of Harvard's president. Bill Maher said there's no other group regarding you can go out there and say, you know, F the blank and have it be acceptable besides the Jews. You know, and, 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 and he had Greg Lukianoff on his show on Friday. We've had Greg Lukianoff on the show a bunch of times. Greg, of course, is the head of FIRE, based right here in Philadelphia, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. At one, po- one point... Fire, all they were doing was dealing with college campuses and cancel culture. So it was originally the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. It has since been changed to now be the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression because clearly there's so much that's happening, not just on college campuses, but outside of places all across the country. Because as these woke snowflakes graduate from colleges and then they go to work for corporations, then the corporations start canceling people. And the corporations start, start doing idiotic things, like using Dylan Mulvaney as their spokesperson. I, I saw this clip of Dylan Mulvaney at an event at, I guess it was Penn State. Or maybe it was Penn, I don't even know. I think it was Penn State, actually. Uh, Dylan comes out wearing all the Penn State gear and, oh, look at me, I'm Penn State's new spokesperson. And there must have been, I don't know, 
two dozen, a dozen, two dozen at most there for this event with Dylan Mulvaney. But they don't learn. I mean, they, they never learn. So watching these college presidents get what they deserve has been, has been fun to watch and fun to process. The fact that Penn's president, though, was allowed to resign. I want you to think about that for a moment. That is, that is called the golden parachute right there. She's still going to get lots of money. She's still going to get another gig somewhere. She wasn't fired. She wasn't, she, wasn't, she wasn't fired. She was able to resign. They did a favor for her, letting her resign from her position. And because the world of academia is so incestuous and because the world of academia protects other academics, she'll, she'll probably land on her feet. She'll get a big payout from Penn and then she'll wind up doing something else. She may not become another president of a university, but she's certainly going to get another job at a university. She might become a dean. She might become uh, a member of the board of trustees, a board of regents, whatever the hell it is, but she will, she will be okay. This is the problem, though, and it's a bigger problem for the Democrat Party in America. It is the problem with the Democrat Party today because as James Carville has said, and as I have repeated on the show multiple times, the Democrat Party has become the party of the faculty lounge and coastal elites. The very mindset of these college presidents, thinking that it's okay to tolerate anti-Semitism on campus, is the problem with the Democrat Party. They tolerate anti-Semitism among members in their own party. They, they tolerate this within their own ranks. See, the Democrat Party has completely lost touch with America. On Friday afternoon, uh, Friday evening, I went into some great detail with you about that, that piece from the far-right-wing New York Times about it's a very, very grim memo regarding Biden's polling problems. Very grim indeed. And what the poll really shows is that the Democrat Party, for the first time since Franklin Roosevelt, has lost the coalition of working people that has kept that, has kept that party in power. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I'm talking about. For the first time ever, working people, by a good margin, are saying that they think the Republicans understand them more and that they believe that Trump understands them more. That's why I'm telling you, if, if, if Trump's the nominee, he wins. Whoever the Republican nominee is, wins. If it's against Joe Biden, I have no doubts about that, which is also why I spent a lot of time on Friday's show going on about why the Democrats want to get rid of him. The question regarding Donald Trump, by the way, is now the special counsel in that investigation is now asking the Supreme Court of the United States of America to weigh in on the question of Trump's immunity regarding 2020 election claims. And there still is an ongoing, as we speak right now, an ongoing gag order on President Trump. We'll talk to John Yu about this a little bit later in the show, Professor John Yu. But I want to let you know what Justice Alito said. He wrote a one-page opinion. And within that opinion, I think, lies the true thinking about the First Amendment and how Donald Trump is now being denied his First Amendment rights to criticize the very government that's going after him. And again, you think about what we talk about on this show every day, cancel culture, right? And gag orders and things like this. These college presidents, you know they're not coming out in Trump's defense saying that he has a First Amendment right to speak out and criticize the government that's going after him. I mean, we have a First Amendment right to criticize our government. That is the highest form of protected speech, the ability to criticize your government. Of all the speech in all the land, that speech is considered the most protected. And here's a guy who's being literally persecuted by that very government, and he's not allowed to speak out and criticize it. It's just outrageous. Justice Scalia wrote the following. He said, 
our democratic form of government is undermined. It, and notice he says our form of government. I, I, Justice Alito knows we are a republic, small r, but he's using small d in this concept. If government officials prevent a candidate for high office from communicating with voters, and such efforts are especially dangerous when the official engaging in such conduct are answerable to a rival candidate. Translation, by not allowing Donald Trump the ability to go out and speak out against the government when it is his opponent whose government is going after him is incredibly dangerous. This isn't like the, you know, the, the, the city council of, um, I don't know, whatever, you know, New Mexico, some, some town in New Mexico going after him. This is the United States of America, in addition to New York and Georgia, but this is the United States of America going after him. Joe Biden's the president of the United States. I know that people want to pretend like the Department of Justice is independent, but it's actually not. It's part of the executive branch of government. The Attorney General of the United States of America reports to the president. He answers to the president of the United States. He's appointed by the president, and the president can call for his resignation, too. And it is the President Biden's government that is going after Trump. So what Alito is saying is here, this is very dangerous. You know, you're, you're not allowing a presidential candidate to communicate with voters. This guy needs to explain to voters <coughs> what, excuse me, what the charges are, why they're coming after him, and give them his frame of reference for it, which is that he thinks this is political. And he needs to do these things and to not allow him to do these things when it is his opponent's government that is coming after him is the problem. It's entirely the problem. And it is so antithetical to the First Amendment. It is such a danger to the First Amendment of the United States Constitution that you, you, you cannot in any way, shape, or form think, think this is okay. I mean, hell, even to their credit, the, the ACLU took time from defending the rights of trans criminals to come out and say, yeah, you know what? The gag order against Donald Trump is unconstitutional. Of course it's unconstitutional. There's no way you can possibly think it's okay. But isn't it funny, though, right, as we're watching these college presidents being called to task for allowing vile speech on college campuses after years of being the censorati, after years of making sure that college campuses were the furthest thing from laboratories of freedom of speech and for not coming to the side of the First Amendment when it's under attack and under fire. And now they're all losing their jobs because the speech that they did allow is vile. Now, think about it, right? I mean, if you are in a position where you turn around and you say, we're going to decide what speech is allowed to be, to be presented, then you're going to own that speech. You get called out for that speech. And that's what colleges have done. They haven't been speech neutral. They've turned around and they've said, we're going to decide what speech we allow. And as a consequence of that, they're now being called out for the speech that they allowed. For years, we called them out on the speech they didn't allow. And now they're being called out for the speech that they did. And if you had just been speech neutral and just been pro-freedom of expression, you wouldn't be in this position. But these colleges have been anything but. 855-839-1210 is the number. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to weigh in today. we got a busy show. Great guests coming up for you. And I want to tell you about my friends at Emmons Roofing and Siding because Emmons does outstanding work. And I am so grateful for the times that Emmons has helped me and with my home over the years. The home that we just sold Six years, Emmons was there helping us with every project from the roof, roof repairs, siding, windows, doors. They remodeled our kitchen, remodeled our bathroom. The new house we just moved into, Emmons already redid our skylights for us. They're going to do some roof repairs that are needed. Uh, they just do great work. 
If I've been using these guys for six years now, you know you can trust them. And Matt and Stephanie and the entire team are there for you. Integrity is everything for the team at Emmons Roofing and Siding. And that's why they're going to make sure that you are happy with the work. And you will be happy with the work. So reach out to them today. If you have a shore house, make sure that that, that roof gets inspected before winter. Winter's brutal on shore properties. If there's any damage at all, you want to have Emmons take care of it for you. They'll never tell you you need a new roof if you don't. But if you do, they'll do great, a great job for you. And very much on budget. Very much competitive with pricing with a lifetime warranty on the roof. And don't forget kitchen and bathroom remodeling. Happy wife, happy life. And my wife is thrilled with the work Emmons did for our kitchen and bathroom. So reach out to them today at EmmonsRoofing.com or EmmonsRemodeling.com or visit their design showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey and see their great remodeling work as well. EmmonsRoofing.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. We got a big show for you today. Some great guests coming up. Chadwick Moore is going to talk to us about Tucker Carlson's new subscription service that he's launching. We'll talk to Professor John Yu about the Trump gag order, among other things, including what the special counsel is asking the United States Supreme Court to do. And um, we'll also talk to EJ and Tony. There's a story today that I read about the housing market. And this is this is this is Joe Biden's America for you in a nutshell. Joe Biden's America in a nutshell right now, based on on the analysis, based on the research, the this is not the time to buy a home in America. The math for buying a home no longer works. These charts show you why. Because it, it, the, the interest rates are so high because of inflation, because of what the Fed has done, that now it just doesn't make sense to buy a home right now. And it, they say it is now less affordable than any time in recent history to buy a home, and the math isn't changing any time soon. And this is all because the Federal Reserve has just, I mean, pummeled this economy with its quantitative easing and inflation, pumping cash, inflation, the spending of this administration, and then raising interest rates, thinking that that was going to do it. We knew it wouldn't do it. It's only made things worse. And that's where we are right now. That's, that's what's in. That's what's happening right now. 
And I'm telling you, you know, this stuff matters a whole lot more to people. This matters a whole lot more to people than whatever happened on January 6th of 2021. People think back to the economy of January 6th, 2021, and that's top of their mind. Not not people going into the Capitol building that day. It's just not. You know, the biggest takeaway from that that article that I share with you last week from the far right-wing New York Times about voters' opinions about things is that they believe democracy is actually more secure with Trump and the Republicans than it is with Democrats. And you know why, right? Because they see how the Democrats have let these nutbag lunatics overtake their party. And these nutbag loonies are the reason why you ask voters and they say it's actually the Democrat party it's more extreme. I know that the corporate media and big tech and the government, the unholy tribe, would like to convince everybody that there's all these MAGA hat wearing domestic violent extremists running around out there, but it's like the woman who tried to burn down Martin Luther King's childhood home last week. I mean, talk about media silence on that story, right? A black woman pouring gasoline on his home and she gets taken to the ground by a couple of tourists from Utah who saw her do it. It's like media silence on that because it breaks the narrative. The narrative is that, that the, there's so much extremism on the right in this country and it is building up to a fever pitch, which is going to lead to Trump and dictatorship and fascism. And of course, none of that is, is happening. None of that is the case. People realize that the Democrat Party has become a party of nutbags and the nutbags are running the asylum. The lunatics are literally running the asylum. That's what's happening. That's what's happening in the United States of America right now in the Democrat Party. So, uh, and we also have a very, very dangerous and scary world. So, Ukraine, Zelensky is begging for more money for the money laundering operation that is, that is Ukraine. And China is launching a major cyber attack against the United States of America as we speak right now. That's going on. Here's the Fox News report from earlier today about the Chinese cyber attack that's underway right now as we speak, and it's growing and getting worse. Take a listen. Post reveals hackers affiliated with China's People's Liberation Army have infiltrated critical services here in the U.S. Alexandra Hoff joins us now from our nation's capital. Alex, this is not good. No, it's not. I mean, this infiltration appears to be part of a broader effort to insert chaos into our logistical systems. The information collected could then be weaponized if the U.S. and China were to become engaged directly in the Pacific. According to reporting from The Washington Post, setting multiple U.S. and industry security officials, China's cyber army, army is invading critical U.S. services, like an attempt to break into the system behind Texas's independent power grid. Other victims include a water utility in Hawaii, a West Coast port, and at least one oil and gas pipeline according to that report you're seeing there. Brendan Wells, executive director of the Department of Homeland Security Cybersecurity Agency, told the Washington Post this, quote, it is very clear that Chinese attempts to compromise critical infrastructure are in part to pre-position themselves to be able to disrupt or destroy that critical infrastructure in the event of a conflict to either prevent the United States from being able to project power into Asia or to cause societal chaos inside the United States to affect our decision-making around a crisis. The report notes that over over the past year, hackers affiliated with the People's Liberation Army in China have accessed the computer systems of about two dozen critical entities. There, there you go. Two dozen critical entities. Uh, thanks to Muggsy Payton for sending this to me. And I mentioned this on Friday, but you need to know this. Buried in the House Intelligence Committee's Section 702, quote unquote, reform bill. This is a reform of the FISA Act, which is scheduled for a floor vote as soon as tomorrow. And Senator Mike Lee brought this out last week as well, is the biggest expansion of surveillance inside the United States of America since the Patriot Act. 
Through a seemingly innocuous change to the definition of, quote, electronic service communications provider, the bill vastly expands the universe of U.S. businesses that can be conscripted to aid the government in conducting surveillance. Under current law, the government can compel companies that have direct access to communications, such as phone, email, and text messaging service providers to assist in Section 702 surveillance by turning over the communications of Section 702 targets. Under Section 504 of the House Intelligence Committee's bill, any entity that has access to equipment on which communications may be transmitted or stored, such as an ordinary router, is fair game. What does that mean in practice? It's very simple. Hotels, libraries, coffee shops, and other places that offer Wi-Fi to their customers could be forced to act as surrogate spies. They could be required to configure their systems to ensure that they can provide the government access to entire streams of communications. Even a repair person who comes to fix the Wi-Fi in your home would meet the revised definition. That person is an employee of a service provider or who has access to equipment, your router, on which communications are transmitted. Now, the bill sponsors deny that Section 504 is intended to sweep so broadly. They say the provision is intended to be able, of course, to go after bad guys. But we know that by giving the government more power, they're just going to abuse it against us, me and you, obviously. One of the FISA court, uh, one, one person who wrote a friend of the court brief posted a blog to warn Americans about this provision. I can't overstate how unusual it is for FISA court to take to the airwaves in this matter. We'd be foolish to ignore it. So it's very, very dangerous. We'll talk more about this. The Brennan Center for Justice also coming out and speaking out against this as well. FISA Reform and Reauthorization Act, the biz- biggest expansion in government surveillance since the Patriot Act. So I'll give you more details on that. Isn't that amazing when the government says they're going to reform something, how they just wind up giving itself more power? It truly is amazing. All right, we got a big show. Chadwick Moore is going to join me next. He'll be my guest. We'll talk about Tucker's new latest iteration. How successful will it be really is the question. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. So the question really is, how successful will Tucker Carlson's new iteration be? And um, before I welcome our guests to the show, here's uh, Tucker's announcement of what he's looking to do and where he's going next. Take a listen. They told you the guys torching Wendy's in 2020 were mostly peaceful. They said that masks worked. They told you the vax was safe. They've tried to convince you that Russia blew up its own pipeline. The corporate media lied too much, and it killed them. We're driving to see Julian Assange. Believe me when I tell you. Wait, wait, wait. I should be boycotting Bud Light. Fantastic job. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) That was amazing. The Tucker Carlson Network, here to talk about it with me, is the man who wrote the book, the New York Times bestselling author of Tucker and contributing editor at The Spectator, Chadwick Moore. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hey, great to be back with you. I'm doing well, thanks. Absolutely. You're, you're the guy. You're the first guy we thought of when uh, Tucker made this announcement today. First of all, uh, how's the book doing? And, and are, you, are you still banned from Fox News or have they let you back on yet? <laughs> book's doing great everyone seems to love it which is awesome you know reading all the customer reviews that you know that means a lot and uh, uh no i've not been welcomed back to fox news unfortunately i i don't know if that's uh, ever going to happen again i think they've associated me uh, too closely with um being a 
uh, a Tucker acolyte. <laughs> well, I haven't been back on since I had you on my show, so maybe it's contagious. I don't know, or maybe it's just a coincidence. I, <laughs> oh no, I hope I don't not. know. But, <laughs> Uh, tell me, tell me your thoughts on, on what Tucker's doing and, and, and also to kind of the 30,000 foot view of where things stand with, with Fox news and Tucker and his contract and, and all of that. Sure. I mean, he's, I mean, he, he does seem to be really poking the bear with Fox because he's, uh, he's still under contract. He's still an employee of Fox news. He did nothing to violate his contract. Uh, he has, according to my sources, uh, offered to end the contract. They keep their money. Uh, they go their own separate ways, but Fox doesn't want to do that. So they've been wanting to keep him, what it seems like, on a, on a leash until his contract runs out, which is a month after the next presidential election. Uh, and so at first, when he was going on Twitter making his videos, Fox was sending cease and desist letters. Uh, Team Tucker just decided they're going to put those letters on Twitter and let everyone see what Fox is up to. Uh, it seems that uh, you know Fox is probably not happy he's doing this, but the more they threaten him, I think it's just going to look really, really bad for them. So he seems to maybe uh, have him in a corner there, and, and he looks like he's just decided he's going to do his own thing and, and to heck with them. And uh, so that, that's kind of an entertaining aspect of this whole development. Um, with the network, you know, they, they just announced today he's been raising money for several months on this uh, with his former college roommate, uh, Neil Patel, and his best friend, who I, I got to interview for the book, uh, he, the two of them started the Daily Caller together in 2010 when uh, Tucker was fired from another cable network and, and was sort of in the woods, both literally and figuratively. And uh, so they, they partnered up to raise money for this venture. Uh, they just announced it officially today, and it's uh, you know one of these online subscription-based platforms called the Tucker Carlson Network, uh, where they're saying there's going to be five shows uh, that are going to be trickling out this week and um, you know, a lot more Tucker Carlson content than uh, people ever got on Fox News. I think they're charging, uh, I think, $9 a month or $70 for the year. Uh, and uh, that's that's sort of where they're at right now. Now, Chadwick Moore, he's been talking to a lot of very interesting people. I think some people have, have said that Tucker has gone more, uh, and this is, I'm using their language now, conspiratorial since he left Fox News. But I, I think what he's, what he's his, his thing is, what he's trying to show people is, look, you know, it's very easy for the establishment, the intelligentsia, the corporate media to dismiss these things as conspiracy theories. But we found a lot of the times that we were right. And even though we were called conspiracy theorists, whether it was over the COVID origin or whether it was over, um, I mean, you know, you pick pick your your thing du jour. What turned out to be wrong, they they use that label, they use that moniker, conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hat wearer, to try to get you to just go along with what they're pushing out there because they don't want people don't like to be to 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 have people think that they engage in conspiracy conspiracies or conspiratorial thinking. So I I mean I view it as that that's what he's trying to get across to people. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it's it's such an easy way to the a weapon to call someone a conspiracy theorist to delegitimize what yeah. they're saying to make them look like a kook and a nut job. Right. And uh, you, you know, it's like the you know the Washington Post the other day saying conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, welcome back on Twitter, ever. You know, the Washington Post is a conspiracy theory newspaper. How long did they publish the the Russia hoax and probably still believe it? Everyone works there, and that's just one example. There's probably many others, mm-hmm. but because they have this mainstream media label to them they can get away with it while trying to slander everyone else uh and i think that you're right you know a lot of these things that are initially deemed conspiracy theories a huge percentage of them probably more than the majority uh end up being true if not completely true but there tends to be huge elements of truth to what the original theory was 
And, you know, what is a what is it to live in a society that's free and open with the First Amendment and free speech if we can't at least give any idea uh, a voice in a platform, no matter even if it sounds crazy at first? I mean, isn't that what journalists are supposed to do is to dig in and, and separate what's true and what's not true? And, you know, of course, there's really insane and crazy and corrupt things happening with our leaders that seem, you know, too, too nutty to be true. And then often they, they sometimes are true. Yeah, and, and that's just it, right? I mean, it, it, nobody wants to be called a kook or a nut or anything like that. So that's that's why they, they say those things. But also at some point, you turn around and you, you, you're labeled this way and then you're vindicated. You're just like more likely to keep pushing forward and, and keep exposing the truth. And I think that that's been the secret to Tucker's success is that it always seemed like he's fighting for you in spite of the fact that there's a corporation there that wants to keep him in his lane, so to speak. And the few times that I think that during his career, when it seemed like he was being muzzled or stifled, I think people felt like he was, they could almost feel it. You could almost see that happening. And they don't want that. This new platform gives him the ability, obviously, to not have to worry about that. And so let's talk about that point, Chadwick Moore, and a bigger point of that, which is that we really do now live in this age where you don't need Hollywood to make a movie. You don't need to work for a, a, a corporation to, to put your message out there. You really can do more things in this in this uh, th- this world. All you really need is just the following. And look, I mean, I get it. You know, when you're on Fox News, you're able to build a big following. When you're on talk radio, you can build a big following. But eventually, I think what Tucker proves is that that following will come with you. The following is, is to you. The loyalty is to you. It's not to the station that hosted you or hosted your show. It's for you. And that audience is going to come with you no matter where you end up going. I think that that's true. And I get asked a lot, you know, what is it? Why is Tucker Carlson so successful or so popular? What is it about him? And, and, you know, one of the main reasons for that, I think is, is simply it's authenticity. You know, people know people have a good nose on them and they know when they're being lied to, they know when someone who's reading them the news maybe doesn't necessarily believe what they're saying or they're just reading a teleprompter. They didn't even write this script. They don't even know what's in it until they sit down and in front of the camera. Uh, but people could tell that was never the case with Tucker. And even if you think he's you know, wrong or he's this or that, you can't really deny that he doesn't believe what he's saying. And that's really important. And we've entered a, a media world where you know, people want that level of authenticity from, uh, uh, from journalists and from commentators. And I think it's why, you know, it's why the Internet and places like talk radio – uh, have so much more trust than television and, and, and traditional newspapers because those legacy media, they're all so, so scripted and they all seem so finely tuned and run through the corporate filter. Whereas, you know, if, with something like talk radio or like with, with personalities on the Internet, you feel more of a connection with uh, the, the personality. And Tucker had that on cable news, which I think was pretty rare. And now he's, um, he's continuing it uh, in, in this new venture. Like I'll give you an example, right? So on, on Chadwick's Twitter page, you can follow him at Chadwick underscore more, and you can get his book. It's a great gift for somebody this coming Christmas, uh, the book Tucker. It's excellent, and it's on one of the uh, most recommended books of the year, by the way, from some conservative news sites. But you, you tweeted out something, a story that I talked about on Friday. A 26-year-old black woman was arrested in Atlanta for trying to burn down the birth home of Martin Luther King Jr., And there has been absolute media silence on this. And this is what's infuriating, right? I mean, if she had been white 
and had a MAGA hat on, it'd be the biggest story in America. It would be something that they don't stop covering, and it would be a sign of the end of days and, and how America is truly this, this racist place. She's, she's not those things, and so they just completely bury the story. And I think it's frustration like that that leads to the success of talk radio, internet personalities, yourself over at um, the American Spectator. I mean, I think that's why people turn to voices like yours and mine. Yeah, wasn't that story amazing? And it was, it, if it had been a white person, uh, that would have been dominated the entire news cycle for Friday. And we'd still be talking about it today. Even yes. what's so interesting is even local news in Atlanta blurred her face when they were showing video. She's on video doing it and on video getting arrested. Uh, they blurred her face on local news. I had people in Atlanta who live there saying, I watch local news all the time. I've never seen them blur a perpetrator's face. And of what? course, very few sites would publish her uh, mugshot. Uh, they wouldn't even list her name uh, because it wasn't, you know, like uh, didn't sound like some white waspy name or whatever. Uh, so that was pretty incredible. Uh, and so not only would they just ignore the story when they did report it, they obscured a detail that, that I wish wasn't important. That would be the race of the perpetrator. But unfortunately, this is the world that, of course, they've created. And uh, and we only really pay attention to these because we notice uh, the, the, the two ways in which they report the news when it when it fits their narrative versus when it doesn't. They, they, I can't believe they blurred her face. She's doing it. She's got the gas can. She's looking right at the camera. Why would you blur her face? That makes no sense. Isn't that amazing? I mean, yeah, it does make sense, obviously, <laughs> for the reasons we're talking about. But there is no legal reason why you would do that. No, because it was on a street, firstly, so it's you know publicly you can film. And secondly, if someone's being arrested, that you know their face then becomes a part of the public record. Yeah. So there's no legal reason to hide it. And she's an adult. She's 26 years old. Meanwhile, the Deadspin puts out a face of a nine-year-old kid uh, alleging he's wearing blackface, and that's totally cool. Oh, right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, just look at that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, tell us about what's going on over at, um, at, at your site. Uh, it, it, really good stuff over there. We love to check in over there at The Spectator. So tell us about what's going on over there. Oh, yeah. So we've, uh, uh, I've been uh, working on some stuff for them that should be coming out soon. Uh, I've got something about transgenders in, in uh, beauty pageants, which, uh, you know, I was sort of thinking the other day. You remember last month, the Miss Universe, there was two transgender competitors. And I was sort of thinking to myself uh, that, you know, I remember, so, you know, beauty pageants have been under attack by feminists on the left for at least the 1970s. And actually, some feminists bombed a BBC van outside of a beauty pageant because they didn't want it to be broadcast. But the argument was always that... Uh, these are unrealistic standards for women, you know, these, these beauty contests, and we hate them after and apart. And I sort of thought, well, if two men can get within spitting distance of that ideal, was it ever really that unrealistic? So I kind of explore that and these kind of double standards of a transgender, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, a lot of feminists get upset about magazines retouching women on their cover, uh, saying, again, these are un- unobtainable standards of beauty. Uh, but then again, you put Bill Mulvaney on a magazine cover, and and that person is airbrushed and photoshopped to high heaven. Talk about unrealistic beauty standards. So I want to kind of explore how transgenderism is affecting that argument that we used to hear for so long from the feminist left. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, yeah, the, the whole world is upside down with this stuff. It's like when they have the testimony of the, of the uh, female athletes in front of Congress and they, Riley Gaines, you know, they called her a bigot. And she said, well, if I'm a bigot, you're a misogynist. And she said that to the, to the chair of the committee or the ranking Democrat. I thought, good for you, Riley. That was such a great comeback. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, that was really nice. I mean, to, to watch them come after women, and especially like Riley, who had to work so hard to get where she was and then to have these titles taken away, 
uh, because he's pe- forced to compete with someone who uh, is, you know, biologically, uh, you know, would be uh, <laughs> biologically different and, and more successful at sports is really amazing. Uh, but, you know, the left is still digging their heels in on this on this very losing issue of transgenderism, especially uh, when it comes to sports and women's spaces. And that's it. You just hit the nail on the head, Chadwick Moore. It is a losing issue. I, I know people who are moderate moms, and I talk to them, and they think this is insane. And the idea that their kids, their little girl is going to work so hard to get there, get there to high school or college and give up all this time and practice and get there and then lose out to a biological male, no way. They are, this, is, this is not a winning issue for Democrats. This is, this is a, the extreme left is behind this, and that's it. It's a winning issue for Republican candidates to come out and say, hell no, we're protecting women. Period. And children, too, I should add. We're protecting children as well. We're not doing this. Yeah, and, and we, we saw how that worked in Virginia. I mean, that was a huge winning issue for Youngkin and for Republicans that year. And the way they handled it seems to be, you know, a good playbook uh, for the rest of the Republican Party. You know, there's there's ways that you can go about this that don't come off as hateful and, you know, whatever. Uh, but it's really about protecting women's spaces. And, and you know, the, the Republicans really have a home run with that if they can get the messaging out correctly. Exactly right. Well, listen, pick up the book, Tucker, today. The man himself who wrote it and uh, sat down with Tucker many times to talk about it. Chadwick Moore, thanks, my friend. Appreciate making the time today. Thank you. Great to talk to you as always. All right. So I will not get a sounder, Henry. No sounder. No sounder. You're not generous with the sound. My mouse today? is dead. Sorry. Your mouse is dead. Yeah. Okay. So you have a cat <laughs> eat your mouse again today? Your mouse is dead. So nothing's working again at the at the main studio correct yeah i need a new I, mouse I, yeah that's fantastic all right well that's good uh maybe we'll have a mouse that works on friday when we're live in cape may at the grand hotel don't forget this friday 3 to 7 p.m live show grand hotel my happy place cape may you're there christmas miracle it'll be a lot of fun uh mark your calendar now my buddy tom Skopinich. the other day i had a friend reach out to me and he was hurt in an accident and he said hey who's your guy i want to talk to him I sent him Tom Skopinich's number and they connected right away that morning and he wrote me a note and said, he's a great guy. Thank, thank, thank you for connecting us. That's the thing about Tom Skopinich. If you're hurt in an accident, he's going to help you. He, he's going to talk to you. You know, he's not one of these clowns on a billboard with these mega firms and, you, you, you know, you're dealing with him. And that's why for 25 years, he's been fighting for people in our region successfully, getting them what they deserve, which is the settlement they deserve if they've been injured in an accident. Tom Skopinich is licensed in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So he can help you on either side of the river. And he's a great guy. He's a great friend of mine personally. And he knows how to deal with the insurance companies. You see, prior to starting his own law practice, Tom Skopinich used to work for and on behalf of insurance companies, which gives him the insight, the, 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 he knows the game that they play. And he's going to put that to work for you to maximize your recovery. So reach out to him today. Go to scopelawyer.com, S-C-O-P-E lawyer.com. He's in Montgomery County, PA, but he's licensed in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and he will fight for you today. The law offices of Thomas G. Skopinich, scopelawyer.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.